It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can also follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. You can follow our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome to the show, everybody. We got a fun one for you today. Uh, we will be doing a preview of UFC 250, Nunez versus Spencer, uh, which will take place on June 6th at the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. And before we get into the uh, the thick of it here, again, much like uh, yesterday's show, we got some housekeeping to take care of here. Uh, like we said, the preview shows today, uh, tomorrow, Thursday, June 4th, I guess technically today as we're recording this at midnight, uh, we're going to have our all-time uh, greatest of all time uh, for the Sport of MMA show where we're going we're to do our Mount Rushmore of, uh, of MMA GOATs. And then we'll have something fun on the Friday show. But also, uh, I, I'd like to read off of North Star's Twitter. This is a fun content you get on North Star's Twitter uh, or my personal page. But we have very, very big news that's going to break June 4th uh, at noon. So you'll want to tune in to North Star MIN on Twitter because we have a, a very big announcement. Uh, we also have an update from from me, which I've put out on Twitter. I'll just read these these couple of tweets here for everybody so that they can stay in the loop here. Uh, but just a while ago, I said, this announcement is so controversial and gigantic in the scope of its impact on the world of sports radio that all North Star board members have been called down to North Star HQ in Minneapolis for an immediate emergency meeting. As a result of the no doubt lengthy and strenuous deliberation and filibustering that will take place in regards to the aforementioned emergency meeting, the very big announcement will be postponed until 12 p.m. Central Standard Time tomorrow. So we have the very big announcement. Very big. I, I wish I could spoil it, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to wait. Uh, it's very interesting stuff. I think it's compelling. Uh, it's it's going to be a landmark for North Star Sports. Uh, you know, it, it's... It's really big news. It, it impacts uh, a bunch of people. It impacts their legacy as well. Um, so that's going to be very fun. It's going gonna, it's gonna to drop uh, at noon. Uh, like I said, all, all North Star board members are in the city of Minneapolis, Minnesota right now as we speak. And we are going to deliberate about uh, the, the contents of the very big announcement. Um and I know that's cutting it a little bit close because the very big announcement is in T-minus almost 11 hours at this point, to be honest with you. But I have faith. I know it's going to be lengthy. I know there's going to be some filibustering here. I have faith. We will not push back the announcement any longer. So I know I had originally said the announcement would take place at midnight, 40 minutes ago. And I just can't do it. I can't do it. I am the boss, I am the prez, I am the founder uh, of this prestigious company, uh, but I am uh, beholden to, uh, to you know, the other board members and, and the rules and, you know, blatant judicial overreach on, on behalf of North Star Sports bylaws and, you know, all this type of stuff, so 
you know, it's coming. It's coming. As as uh, as Anderson said, believe me, believe me, I back this. This announcement is back. Um. So I think that's that's pretty much it for uh, housekeeping stuff. Uh, I and again, I can't, I cannot wait for this announcement. Uh, it's going to be absolutely massive. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into this UFC 250 preview. Um, again, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I had some some trepidation about uh, you know watching this card because I think they had like four fights announced and like three of them ended up, I believe, turning out to be prelim fights. Uh, so uh, this card scared a lot of people into thinking that there were not going to be good fights on it. But uh, to be honest with you, I mean, there's some there's some pretty solid fights on this card. I'm not going to lie. Um, and really, I like it because it's pretty much a, a bantamweight Grand Prix with uh, with the main card. Uh, actually, really, the entire card is just full of bantamweights for whatever the reason. So, uh, you know, that's always interesting, given the, the smaller classes uh, some love here. Uh, as always, uh, we will start from the beginning of the prelims and work our way up to the main card. We'll give our uh, predictions. Uh, we're, I, I've yet to calculate my predictions, but I just roughly, I'm probably sh- I'm probably batting 66% with my predictions. So so not bad. Again, you know, we had a little bit of a letdown uh, with the Woodley versus Burns. We only got seven out of uh, uh, the 11 fights correct uh, compared to. The fight card before Overeem and Harris. I think I had every fight correct until the main event because I picked Harris. Uh, so a, l- a little bit of a regression back to the means, but you know the the, the mean is is you know two thirds. So uh, you know you can, you can you can really sink your teeth into my predictions here, knowing full well I've spent you know dozens of hours you know combing over different content to to make sure it's correct and. Um, the first fight here on the early prelims is, uh, and, and this is weird too, they have early prelims, the prelims, and then the main card, which is uh, a little weird. I kind of wonder why they uh, they did that, but uh, we have uh, Evan Dunham and Herbert Burns uh, at a 150-pound catch weight. Uh, Burns is the minus 235 favorite. Uh, Evan Dunham, 18, 8, and 1. He last won in uh, in 2016, so it's been uh, quite some time for uh, old Evan Dunham over there and uh, Herbert Burns. On the other hand, uh, 10 and 2 record's not gonna you know, you know blow you out of the water here, but uh, you know if if his brother's performance last Saturday was any indication as to how Herbert's gonna do, uh, I, I'm definitely picking Herbert Burns here. Uh, he, he's on a four-fight winning streak, uh, and and. Really, his last win over Nate Landwehr. I mean that. Now that we see what Landwehr got to do when you know he didn't face such a a, a stellar opponent uh, with with such great BJJ, I mean that win looks even better after what Landwehr did to Elkins. So you know I, I always kind of knew Elkins uh, was a pretty tough fighter, uh, especially since he came over as a champ from from uh, his time over in Russia, but. Um, I'm going to go Herbert Burns here. I'm going to say he finishes him in the second round by submission. Uh, Evan, Evan Dunham, just a little too old, a little too washed up, and, and Herbert Burns looks to be, uh, you know, a rising contender there in the bantam, excuse me, the, the lightweight division. 
Uh, that'd be quite the drop down for, for old Herbert. Uh, not the greatest name. Not the greatest name. Uh, Herbert and Gilbert. I mean, maybe, maybe we could use nicknames instead. Uh, leads us to the second fight here on the early prelims. Uh, a middleweight, excuse me, a light heavyweight fight. Good lord. Between Alonzo Menafield and Devin Clark. Menafield is the minus 225 favorite. Uh, he's 9 0, uh, 32. He's really powerful. Uh, I got to see him live uh, at that uh, Minneapolis card uh, back in the summer of 2019. Uh, he uh, put a pretty brutal finish on, on Paul Craig. Um, whereas Devin Clark kind of been flip-flopping wins and losses. Uh, I'm definitely going to go with Alonzo Menafield here. Uh, a, a little bit. I guess it... Wow, that is crazy. Time flies. I guess that Minneapolis card was pretty much almost a year ago. Um, so that's crazy. Menafield uh, at 32 is, you know, taking a year out of the octagon. Maybe not uh, Maybe not on purpose, but... Um, he had a strong last performance, and Devin Clark. Again, I don't really know uh, too much about Devin Clark, to be honest with you. That's that's the problem with some of these uh, early prelims. Uh, speaking of another fight, I have no idea what's going to go on. Uh, Juicier Formiga and Alex Perez will battle in the flyweight division. Perez is the minus 140 favorite. Uh, we'll blow through this one because flyweight doesn't matter, and I have I think I've seen a couple of Formiga fights. I have no idea who Alex Perez, Perez is. Uh, but Formiga, uh, he's on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, he's 35, uh, which is not good. Uh, I did see him again on that mini- that Minneapolis card. Just comes back. So many so many vets on that Minneapolis card because Formiga uh, took on uh, Joseph Benavidez in the number one contendership fight in Minneapolis where he got finished. I want to say in the second round by TKO. Um, I'm going to go Perez here. Uh, he's 23-5. and five. He's on a two-fight win streak. Uh, he's won 11 of his, excuse me, 10 of his last 11, and his only loss was to Joseph Benavidez. Really the key thing for me here, I know Formiga's a, a, a tough guy, and he's been in the UFC for, you know, a hot minute, but a 35-year-old flyweight, man, flyweights and bantamweights just do not age gracefully. You know, once you lose that speed, once you get a little a little older, once you once you turn 33, 34, 35, man, it's just downhill. There's not a lot of flyweights who are fighting at 40. So, uh, you know, we, we saw it with Tim Elliott uh, last Saturday. I made the mistake of predicting he would uh, win his fight and uh, just kind of gassed out, just didn't have the stamina, just didn't really have the quickness. Uh, and I think the same thing's going to happen here to Formiga. So I'm going to pick Alex Perez. Uh, we'll go by decision, just because uh, not a not a whole lot of punching power down there at 125. So we'll go Alex Perez. Uh, this leads us to the prelims, not the early prelims, the prelim prelims, uh, and uh, <laughs> another interesting fight here uh, at middleweight. Charles Bird taking on Maki Patolo. Uh, Charles Bird is the minus 185 favorite. Uh, two guys with really not good records really really poor records in the UFC Charles Bird uh, is 10 and 6 10 and 6 overall not 10 and 6 in the UFC 10 and 6 overall he's on a two fight losing streak he's 1 and 2 in the UFC uh, <laughs> he's 36 years old nicknames kid dynamite but not not very young 
Uh, and, and whatever, his last fight was Edmund Chabazian, so, I mean, that's a quality loss, I guess, but, you know, this this is not really a UFC-caliber fighter, and in my opinion, neither is Maki Patolo. I was thoroughly, thoroughly, because uh, I, I had a little bit of hope for Maki Patolo, and again, his career's young, whatever, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but I was really impressed with his performance on Dana White, Dana White's uh, Contender Series, uh, and then... He fought at UFC 243, and he lost a unanimous decision to Callan Potter, who, again, another fighter who probably shouldn't be in the UFC just because not winning a whole lot of fights and has not the greatest record. Um, but I gotta pick. I gotta pick a winner here. Uh, it's like picking between two bad choices here. But I'm gonna go Maki Patolo. So I'm gonna go with the underdog here. Uh, 12 and five, a little bit better of a record. The, his nickname is the Coconut Bombs with a Z. So, last time I picked against somebody with a super good nickname, I uh, I picked Tim Elliott over Tim, uh, or Tim Elliott over uh, Brandon Royville, the Raw Dog. I made that mistake. I'm not gonna make it this time. I'm not gonna make it this time. Coconut Bombs is an elite nickname. Um, and you know what? I'll chalk up the loss to Callan Potter. I mean, that's in his home country. That was his UFC debut. You know, it, when I'm picking between Mackie Patolo and Charles Bird, I got to look for the positives here. So I'm going to I'm gonna go Patolo. I'm going to say I'm going to chalk up his loss to, to Jitters. And I'll even go Patolo by first-round knockout. First-round knockout. He's going he's gonna to be showing those coconut bombs, uh, and uh, which is really unfortunate. Hopefully he gets a, a really quick uh, first-round knockout because it's unfortunate if a guy with the – the nickname Coconut Bombs, who I'm pretty sure is from Hawaii. Uh, that's going to be unfortunate if he doesn't fight on Fight Island. So hopefully he can uh, win this fight and, and become relatively unscathed and uh, go out there and, and, and fight later in June or July. Who knows how long the Fight Island stuff's going to gonna last. But they did print the t-shirts, so it, it is going to happen. Uh... Another fight here on the prelims, Cody Stamen taking on Brian Kelleher. Uh, Cody Stamen is the minus 280 favorite. This is the first of four, I want to say four bantamweight fights on this card. So, uh, you know, the bantamweight rankings for, for North Star Sports are going to be absolutely lit come next Monday because we're going to have a lot of movement here. Uh, Cody Stamen, elite record, 18-2-1. He's 30 years old. His last fight was that kind of weird fight with uh, Song Yedong uh, where it went to a draw, uh, but Stamen was thoroughly beat, but Song had the illegal knee to Cody Stamen, I want to say. I want to say in the first or the second round. Um, so that was a, a bit of a weird performance. His hype train is, has slowed down uh, just just a little bit due to some uh, inactivity. Um, he has fought twelve twice twice in 2019. So I, I guess I guess he's fighting pretty regularly. I, I guess in my mind he was he was taking some time off between fights, but uh, taking on the very game Brian Kelleher, uh, 21 and 10, and his last two fights were stoppages, a submission over Ode Osborne. Uh, and a TKO over Hunter Azure, so stopping two Dana White uh, contender series hype trains. Uh, listen, he's he's no joke. He's a very tough fighter. He's, he does have some power in his hands for uh, for bantamweight, 
but I'm going to go Cody Stamen here. I think it's going to be a close fight, uh, if I'm being honest with you, because I, I respect Brian Kelleher, uh, you know, crafty veteran, really showing he's not losing uh, a, a step in his last couple of fights. But uh, I, I think Cody Stamen will get back on track after the uh, draw. And let's pull up the old North Star Sports rankings here. We have Cody Stamen. Uh, as the number 12 fighter in the bantamweight division so you know with a with a win and there's going to be some movement uh at the top of the division uh after 250 so you know it, it's entirely possible cody stamen gets a win uh maybe he's in the top 10 i would say probably 10 <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't say very high in the top 10 but uh he, he certainly could be a top 10 uh, bantamweight fighter uh with the win over brian kelleher and brian kelleher he's not ranked but I mean, a win over Cody Stamen. I mean, that 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 puts you in the rankings in in uh, North Star's book. Uh, and last that last thing on this Stamen and Kelleher fight, uh, minus two eighty for for Stamen, like I said. But man, I don't know. I would probably take the. I would I would. I'm taking Stamen to win the fight, and that's all I'm doing with North Star is I'm picking who's gonna win. <clears throat> Excuse me, who's gonna win the fight, but. If I was a betting man, I might bet Kelleher because I, I think I kind of like those odds at, at minus 280 uh, as the favorite for Stamen. Uh, the second to last fight here on the prelims, a middleweight bout between Ian Heinish and uh, Gerald Mearshart. Uh, Heinish is the minus 130 favorite. Mearshart is even money. Again, have no idea. How, I probably should look that up. I have no idea how that's possible to have two different odds on the same fight for the fighters. I don't get how one's even money. I don't get how one's the favorite. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but I guess that's how Odd Sharks, who uh, I poached the, poached. The, I'll give them credit. I'm not poaching them, but I use their. I use Odd Shark because they're normally pretty, pretty on point with their, um, with their uh, betting lines. Uh, interesting fight here. Great matchmaking. I like it. A two-fight losing streak for Ian Heinish after he kind of burst onto the scene. Um, you know, he had those, those two tough losses to Omari Akhmedov and Derek Brunson. But listen, he's a tough guy because he had to face some adversity in those fights. He did not get finished. Um, he just mo- he just needs more time. Uh, and, I, and I think that's what a fight with Mearshart, even though he's a crafty veteran, gives him. Um, because the, the one thing I noticed with, uh, with Ian Heinish, like his win over uh, Cesar Mutante and, and Shoeface, like... Man, he's got heavy hands. He's got good power. He he just he's stiff. He's kind of stiff, and in, in, in you know, from my observation, for whatever that means, I'm I'm not you know Greg Jackson over here. I'm not Faraz Sahabi, so you know, take my criticism with a, a grain of salt. But he he looked a little he looked a little stiff to me, um, and he just kind of looks out of place sometimes. Like in, in the two losses, he just kind of looks out of place. Like he can't get his game going. He gets down early and then he just he just can't really do anything his wrestling his wrestling's got to improve um he's got really good scrambles from what I remember I, I believe specifically in the Brunson fight uh he's, he's got really good scrambles um but this is a this is a good chance for uh for Heinish to rebound we ha- we have him number 13 in the North Star rankings uh he's not going to move up too much because he still has uh uh Brunson and Amari Akhmedov ahead of him, uh, and he's facing an unranked guy in in GM three. Uh, 
Uh, but, you know, GM3 wins. He's in the rankings because um, that's that's kind of how it works. And, and for Mearshart, you know, I don't know. This is See, I, I like this fight for both of them. This is where the, the UFC's really been on point with, like, 80% of their matchmaking lately because Heinish, he's on this, he's on the skid. Listen, we're not going to feed him a bum. We're not going to feed him a can. But, you know, we're going to feed him a litmus test in Gerald Mearshart. You know, this is a guy who's at four, he's going to have his 44th career fight when he steps into the octagon on Saturday. He's lost four of his last seven. Uh, but, you know, they've all been kind of close, and he's had a couple of split decisions to Eric Anders and Kevin Holland, and, you know, he ran into a surging Jack Hermanson. Uh, you know, he, he got knocked out by Thiago Santos. So, like, you know, I mean, he's he's, he's a very good test. I mean, we'll find out where Heinish is. Uh, because, you know, he's still, he's still young. Amazing story too, uh, with him. What was it? He was in jail in Spain or Italy or whatever for, uh, those drug charges. And then, uh, you know, got out and, um, I think he's one of two fighters to have drug charges. Uh, don't, don't sue me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's him and, uh, Mera Romero Barella. God, that name always messes me up, messes me up. But I was looking at her, her Wikipedia for whatever that means. And uh, she was, like, sentenced to, like, 12 years in jail for, for like, dealing coke or something. Uh, but, but I guess got out. Not really sure how that works or if any of that's true. But uh, I believe that's uh, what I remember up in the old noggin. Uh, the headliner of the prelims is a, a really weird fight between Alex Caceres and Chase Hooper. Uh, Chase Hooper is the minus 165 favorite. He's 20 years old. He, I believe, is the youngest fighter uh, in the UFC currently. Uh, he's coming off of a round one finish over Daniel Tamer, David Tamer, one of the Tamers. Neither of them are very good in the UFC. Uh, but kind of a weird, a weird matchup because Caceres is really tricky. He's got that weird style. Good old Bruce Leroy. He's lost four of his last seven. Um, and Hooper kind of murked uh, Tamer, by the way, in his UFC debut. But this is a weird one because Caceres is obviously very clearly at the bottom of the of the the featherweight division. But that's still a tough little test here for for Hooper because you know he's a veteran and you know he's kind of funky. Uh, but I'm gonna go Hooper. I'm gonna go Hooper. By uh, what the hell? We'll go by by finish. We'll go by finish in the second round. Um. Again, Alex Caceres, he he fights the lowest competition possible in the UFC and still goes 500. Uh, so you know, not a, not exactly a oh, a winning UFC fighter. You know, takes on guys like Rolando D, and like just the weirdest matchups ever. Um, but we'll go, we'll go chase, chase Hooper, uh, time to get on the chase Hooper hype train and his career is going to be really interesting. Cause he's like six one at one forty five. He has this, the, you know, the skinniest stomach, you know, just, he, he looks sickly, sickly thin. So it'll be, it'll be interesting, interesting to see. Cause he, he's not going to last at featherweight forever. He's only 20. So like, it'll be interesting if Hooper has like a 10 year career, like 
where does he project? Like at some point in the in the in the near future, like say two to four years, he's gonna have to fight at at lightweight. He, you know, with that type of body and with him, you know, turning into a man, uh, you know, he's gonna have to move up to lightweight. But he's six one, so like, does he project as a welterweight? So that that's kind of interesting for Hooper. Um, but that's more future stuff here. But we'll give him the win here, uh, UFC 250 over Alex Caceres. Uh, which will bring us to the main card here, the main card opener between, uh, I believe, former WEC champion Eddie Wineland and uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. O'Malley is a minus 500 favorite, the second biggest favorite of the card. I'm sure you can guess who the the biggest favorite is, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, O'Malley... Uh, 11-0 in his MMA career, just 25 years old. Had a great, great last performance in his return after uh, a year-and-a-half, two-year layoff uh, versus uh, Jose Alberto Quinones. Uh, and that was just in March, so, you know, relatively quick turnaround. I mean, he didn't, he didn't take, you know, pretty, pretty much any damage. So, uh, you know, I guess that makes sense. Um only two fights, two fights since December of 2017. So he was signed as like a 22-year-old, uh, you know, and had that suspension, had some injuries, made his UFC debut versus Andre Sukumtat, uh in, in March of 2018 uh, at UFC 222, where he had that, where he, I guess, broke his foot. And uh, Sukumtat with maybe an all-time dumb strategy didn't make him stand up with a broken foot just you know went to the ground and you know let O'Malley win and I'm, I'm not saying let O'Malley win like O'Malley wasn't winning the winning the fight but you know if if Sukumtat just went didn't go to the ground just stood up and, and walked back and and you know had to make the referee make him stand up then O'Malley would have lost the fight his foot was broken he couldn't stand up so in that in that sense he was gifted a win but you know obviously he he, he earned it but puzzling strategy but um you know a chance for the hype train to continue chugging along here uh, over a you know a ufc vet a guy who's fought a who's who at uh, at bantamweight and uh you know a guy who's a former champ in a, in a you know a major respected organization like the wec um shoot andy's even still ranked i don't even realize that he's certainly Eddie Wineland is certainly not ranked in, in the North Star Sports uh, bantamweight division rankings, but uh, he's, he's technically ranked number 15. So good for O'Malley because when he wins, uh, he's going to become ranked uh, and, and he's going to be the vet. Uh, good time for me to also mention, this is my lock of the week here, folks. My lock of the week. Eddie Wineland will lose to Sugar Sean O'Malley. That is my lock of the week. Uh, it would have been... I mean, I'm not Nostradamus over here, but it would have been too obvious. As I pick a minus 500 favorite, I say it would have been too obvious if I picked Nunez over Spencer as my lock of the week when she's a minus 650 favorite. Uh, so I'm not Nostradamus over here, but, you know, this is no hot sports take, but my lock of the week is O'Malley over Wineland. Um, trying to get back on track with the lock of the weeks because uh, my lock of the week last week, I had two of them, and one of them was Woodley beating... Woodley beating Gilbert Burns, uh, so I, I missed really big on that one, so I'm just trying to get a bunt single here 
with uh, O'Malley as my lock of the week. Uh, Eddie Wineland, he's had four wins since 2013. Had a nice win over uh, Grigory Popov uh, last year, but again, that's a guy who was making his UFC de- debut, uh, and he's also like 35. Um, so lost lost five of his last nine. Uh, O'Malley wins by TKO in the second round. I would go first round, but I'm going to give Wineland some respect because he is a crafty vet. Um, but he will be finished. Uh, this leads us to another fight here on the main card. Uh, in the welterweight division, it is Neil Magny and uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. Uh, good old Tony Martin. Tony Martin. Uh, Magny is the minus 145 favorite. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go Neil Magny here. Have not been impressed with uh, Rocco Martin in, in his last couple of uh, outings. Again, the the infamous, the infamous... Minneapolis card rearing its ugly head because I saw Rocco Martin just get absolutely outworked by Damian Maya in one of the boringest fights I've ever seen live. Um, but shout out to Damian Maya. Uh, Martin got back on track because he did beat Ramazan Emiv uh, in Russia. Uh, and, and I guess, what is it? He's won seven of his last nine. But again, against against lower competition, uh, I'm gonna go Neil Magny here. Solid guy, tall, gonna have the reach advantage here. Uh, he beat uh, Li Jianling uh, in March, so kind of making a quick turnaround. But you know, he, he's he's looking to to you know get back into a a, a pattern of fights here because he had that uh, oh I want to say 17 month layoff after that KO loss, really bad one. I went back and watched that the other day. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio knocking out Neil Magny. Good God, I forgot how brutal that was because he just he just face plants uh, after that knockout. But you know, Magny, a veteran, has wins over Hendricks and and Condit and Lombard, Gastelum. You know, very game fighter. And I also forgot too because I was looking over the UFC record books. He holds the record. He's tied for the record twice for the most amount of fights. Uh, in a year, he fought five times in 2014 and five times in 2015, which is both tied for UFC records. Fought ten times in two years uh, in the UFC at the highest level. Um, so, well, well-respected guy. I'm going to pick him to to win by decision. Uh, so we'll go we'll go Neil Magny here, uh, and that was the featured featured bout on the main card so the co-main event here is uh the, the final bantamweight fight or no excuse me this is this is the featured the featured uh uh fight whatever they call a third fight on the main card featured fight uh pretty much the beginning of of the significantly highly ranked portion of our our bantamweight grand prix here uh at ufc 250 uh Aljamain sterling taking on uh cory sandhagen again don't know what these odds mean, but uh, Sterling is the minus 120 favorite, and Sandhagen is a minus 110 pick'em. So, again, not really sure how that works. Uh, but this is this is really good matchmaking, and to be honest with you, I don't... So the UFC is looking to do Piotr Jan and Jose Aldo. Uh, I think it's ridiculous, Aldo's, Aldo's in that in that fight. But honestly, you look at uh, you look at either of these two, 
realistically, they should be fighting for the title versus uh, Piotr Jan. It should be Jan versus Sterling, uh, in my mind. But if it was Jan and Sandhagen, uh, I wouldn't have any complaints. In my mind, this is the number one contendership. Uh, I think the winner of this fight will get the next title shot at bantamweight. We uh, scroll down here to the uh, North Star Sports Rankings. Sterling is uh, number two, and Sandhagen is number four in the bantamweight division. And in the North Star Rankings, for whatever it's worth, Piotr Jan is number three, so Sterling's even even more highly ranked than Piotr Jan, so really it should be Sterling versus Jan. Um, But this is going to be a great fight because... You know, both fighters know what's on the line here. It's, I don't, I don't see any. Okay, well, we're in we're in quarantine times here, so I guess I theoretically I could see, you know, how the winner of this fight doesn't fight for the for the the strap next. But man, if you can win this fight, even if you don't win, like you know how like uh you know if the number five welterweight takes on the number seven welterweight and, and hey. If, if one of these fighters can win in convincing fashion, I think they could get a shot at the title next. I think even a boring a boring decision win gets you a, a shot at the title here. I don't even think you have to win in spectacular fashion. I think you just have to win. Uh, Sterling, he's on a four-fight winning streak. Uh, he's only 30, five foot seven, so he's you know he's not super short in that bantamweight division. Wins over Brett Johns, Cody Stamen, Jimmy Rivera, and Pedro Munoz. Uh, really, this this is a big test for him because all throughout Sterling's career, and it, it's only happened a couple of times. In in fairness, in fairness, but doesn't exactly rise up for the biggest moments. I, I, I guess you could say, you know, uh, when when the winner of him versus Marlon Marais was likely going to get a title shot, he got knocked out brutally by a. Uh, a, a knee uh, when he took on heavily or highly ranked, excuse me, uh, Rafael Asuncao. He lost via split decision. So, you know, this this is this is the the first moment where he could really really break through. And I could I could very well see him being the UFC champion at the end of 2020. And uh, I think he'd be a great champ to be honest with you because I think he's highly marketable. Uh, you know, as, as the Funk Master. He, he, you know, seems to have interesting fights most of the time. Can't really remember the last time he had a a, a dull fight. So, uh, you know, we'll 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 see what happens here with uh, with Sterling and Sandhagen. And on the flip side, for Corey Sandhagen, you look at this guy. He's only 28, really tall, really tall for the bantamweight division at five foot eleven. He's going to have a 71 uh, reach uh, inch, 71 inch reach. Seven fight winning streak, twelve and one. Been really impressed with this guy so far in his UFC career. And again, just like for for Sterling, you know, this could really be a breakthrough for him. And it's it's interesting that this breakthrough comes with neither fighter really being the 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 bigger name. You know what I mean? It's not like a passing of the torch here. It's two hungry young lions looking to make a name off of another uh, hungry young lion. Uh, you know, and and for Sandhagen. Maybe he hasn't had the the strength of opponents that that Sterling has had, but he but he doesn't really have the well. He certainly doesn't have any losses in in the UFC, so that's that's a plus for him. But you know, I've I've been impressed with him at every step of the way, from his win over Austin Arnett, uh, Yuri Alcantara, where he put a 
vicious, vicious ass whooping on Alcantara. Uh, and I believe he was almost choked out at one point in that fight because uh, he had to overcome some adversity. Uh, his opponent falling out. He had the win over Batista, split decision over John Lineker, and then a win over Rafael Asuncao, which we'll get to uh, in just a couple of minutes. But I have a lot of respect for Asuncao, and I'll, I'll tell you why uh, in, in just a bit. But uh, for for Sandhagen and, and, and Sterling again, uh, the the stakes are, are incredibly high because not exactly number one contenders, but I think it is a number one contender fight. Uh, and I'm gonna go Corey Sandhagen here. It's it's very tough. This is my uh, not lock of the week because man, I could really see it going either way here. Both are are tremendous fighters, and I don't I don't really feel uh, too confident picking either one. Because uh, I think this is going to be a very, very close fight. Uh, thank God it's taking place in Nevada, so hopefully we can get some proper refereeing. Thank God this is not taking place uh, in Houston, Texas. Uh, but I'm going to go Sandhagen. Uh, but again, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN because, uh, like I like I say, you have the the right to change your prediction up until the fight happening. So that I, you know, I, hey, I might wake up on Saturday and really start to feel the funk master and and pick him but as long as as long as that fight has not started i i think it's fair that you have a right to to change your pick uh but as it stands right now i'm gonna go with uh cory sandhagen uh so this will lead us to the co-main event of the evening it is a bantamweight bout between Rafael asunsau and cody garbrandt asunsau is the minus 155 favorite we consult the world-renowned North Star Sports uh, bantamweight division rankings. Asun Sao is number five. Cody Garbrandt, uh, surprisingly, is number nine in the rankings. Uh, a really good, a really good chance for a rebound fight here for Garbrandt to stop the bleeding on this three-fight losing streak. Uh, Asun Sao also on a two-fight losing streak. Um, a lot more experience for a Sun Sao. Fun fact of the day. I already knew this. So, you know, when I was looking stuff up, I already knew this. Uh, but a Sun Sao, uh, in 2005 on the Georgia regional MMA scenes, he has a win over uh, welterweight BMF Jorge Masvidal. So, Rafael Sun Sao, a bantamweight, has a win over Jorge Masvidal, a welterweight. Uh... Smart matchmaking, I like it here for a Sun Sao. Bit of a, I mean, you know, this guy's criminally underrated. Uh, you know, th- this is the this is the the part of the show where I just speak glowing praise about Hefaila Sun Sao. Uh, I think his title hopes are probably over because you look at the young blood coming up in that bantamweight division, and this is a guy who's 37, uh, again to turn 38 uh, next month, and again. Flyweights and bantamweights tend not to, to age gracefully, but so far is Sun Sao aging gracefully. I know he's on the two-fight losing streak, but 27-7, and seven, I mean, he's got he's got wins over marquee fighters in this division. Uh, honestly, he, outside of maybe Cowboy, he might be the most underrated fighter in the UFC. Like, he might be a Sun Sao absolutely, if I were to make a list, which which I might. Uh, of, of the best fighters currently in the UFC to never win a belt, man, it's got to be a Suns out. This guy ha- has wins over uh, Marlon Marais, fought for the belt, Aljamain Sterling, 
uh, you know, respected guy in the division. Pedro Munoz, highly ranked, a win over the the the, the two-time champ DJ uh, TJ Dillashaw. You know, so this is a guy. This is a guy who's been a, a prominent member of of the the bantamweight division in the UFC since its in, inception back in 2011. So, you know, th- this guy is a mainstay uh, in in a lighter weight division for a, pretty much a decade. Um, really, really underrated here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, Cody Garbrandt here, uh, and I'm gonna go by decision. You know what? I I, I think. I think it's by decision. I think hopefully Cody Garbrandt, uh, you know, after training with Mark Henry, he, he, his last three wins, he's just had the weirdest approach of, I'm going to go out there and die. I'm going to go out there and die. And he's died the last three times. Not exactly the smartest fighter. But but again, we've, we've seen him fight, you know, really smart, really tactically, uh, tactically, excuse me, uh, you know, in, in his last win, which surprisingly was December of 2016 versus Dominic Cruz. Just a masterful masterful performance. Jesus Christ, the English language is is a real fluid one uh, late late at night. Um, but again, you know, and that's crazy to, to think about also. Like, it's been three and a half years since Cody Garbant has gotten a win in the UFC. He doesn't fight very often. He's lost once in 2017, once in 2018, and once in 2019. Good God, Cody Garbrandt. Hopefully you can get a win here. Uh, otherwise, I have no idea what you do. I guess move up to featherweight. Um, but I'm gonna say he he I'm gonna say he wins a decision because I think he's gonna fight very smart. He has all the tools. He has all the tools. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say we've seen a great deal of his wrestling, but he's got the power, he's got the hand speed. Uh, he's got a, like, then this sounds crazy, but he's got a pretty good chin. You know what I mean? Like he can take a shot. Now he, he doesn't have a very good chin if he's going to stand there and take 50 shots to the head and, and fight, you know, recklessly then yeah, of course. And you know, then only like five fighters in the history of, of MMA have had good chins by that definition. But, uh, you know, hopefully he's gotten over his back issues and, and, and all of that. And, you know, again, this is Honestly, probably the toughest, realistically the toughest fight he could take, uh, because nobody really wants a, a rebound fight versus Rafael Asuncao. Um But uh, against all conventional wisdom, I'm gonna go Cody, Cody Garbrandt here. I just gut feeling it's, it's speaking to me. I think we see a Cody Garbrandt 2.0, like he said. We're gonna see a 2.0 uh, this Saturday. Man, I, I, I just hope he gets a win because that if he loses, maybe he could, maybe he could retire. But this is if he loses and and really never gets back to relevancy. What a weird story! What a weird fighting career! Becoming world champion by twenty five, going from unranked to champion in less than a year, and then just completely falling off. But again, he's number nine. Asuncao's number five. So if he wins, he's number five in in North Stars book uh you know i guess i'd technically have to look oh i think jose aldo's number six in in north star's book so he'd definitely be over aldo um but again rankings wise this this is very important for garbrandt ranking wise this is not very important for a sunset this is more more or less to keep his ranking because he gets a win over the number nine guy in the division 
doesn't do a whole lot, but a bit of a legacy fight because, you know, you're beating another former champion. But uh, th- this is probably the fight I am most looking forward to on this card. And I think that's why rightfully so it was made the co-main event, even over Sterling and Sandhagen, which is probably the better fight with more relevancy uh, in 2020. But I am very curious to see what happens here. Uh, you know, because I believe Uncle Chael said, said this, but, you know, if Garbrandt wins here, he's right back in the title picture, as, as weird as that sounds. Uh, you know, so I'm I'm rooting for that guy, even though he's definitely a hothead and, uh, you know, makes some poor decisions sometimes. Uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to see him washed up at 27. Uh, which leads us to the main event of the evening, a featherweight championship fight here between Amanda Nunes and Felicia Spencer. Amanda Nunes is the minus 650 favorite. Uh, yeah, heavy, heavy, heavy favorite here. Uh, she's on a 10-fight winning streak. She's pretty much beaten all the former uh, bantamweight and flyweight champs. Uh, Durandamy, Holm, Rousey, Tate. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all of them. But, you know, undoubtedly the the quote, which is the dumbest term I've ever heard. Uh, but she's undoubtedly the, the quote. Um, her last loss was almost seven years ago versus Katz and Gano. Um, again, if you're a filthy casual, you might not give Felicia Spencer, uh, you know, the, the fighting chance, the Modelo fighting chance. Uh, but I, I, I do, I do. Um, she was, it's, it's so tough because this is such a terrible division, such an awful division. They have like four fighters, you know, uh, I remember Megan Anderson when she won on the same fight card that, uh, that Spencer was on, I believe that, that 243 card where she was calling out for a title shot. And she said, listen, I'm the only one in this division on a win streak. Well, (laughs) well. Uh, that's true, but what an awful, what an awful, terrible mess of a division. If you, if if your criteria for getting a title shot is you're on a win streak, you know. So, but I guess she would be technically correct. But you know, Felicia Spencer won, and now she's on a one fight win streak, so she gets a a chance to fight for the title, beating a UFC newcomer in Z- Zara Fern dos Santos. So we we can just beat a random newcomer. Women's divisions are just kind of weird in general because. You know, especially at at featherweight. Uh, actually, you know what? I think that's a blanket state. I think at featherweight, that's true. Where you go, like uh, Yana Kunitskaya comes over from a, a different organization and gets a title shot immediately. Uh, that's going to be on a trivia question one one day. Uh, you know, as her being someone who who headlined a, a pay per view in the UFC. Um, but you know, whatever, Spencer. She was the former Invicta featherweight champion. She beat Megan Anderson, so she beat another Invicta featherweight champion. 2-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, I think Megan Anderson is... I don't even want to say she's extremely overrated because that would imply that people thought highly of her fighting skills, but just not a really good fighter in my mind. Uh, she'll, she'll beat complete UFC newcomers, but I, I think she loses to anybody uh, who's a halfway decent fighter. Um... 
It's kind of weird when your argument for Felicia Spencer winning this fight is, well, she took a beating by uh, Chris Cyborg, but she didn't die. Like, she went to the decision, so, you know, I, I guess Spencer has a chance. Um, it should come as no surprise here that I'm picking a Na- Amanda Nunes to win this fight. I'm going to go by decision because uh, I'll, I'll give Spencer the benefit of the doubt because she... Yeah, she was tough. She 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 took a beating by Cyborg and I guess connected a couple of times with with Cyborg uh, and Cutter. But like, okay, we're giving we're giving Spencer a title shot because she got a cut on Cyborg. So, you know, this is what happens in a division that you don't invest in, that there aren't any talent in for the for the most part. Um, so Nunez defends the the featherweight belt here. That's pretty much all I got to say on this one. Would be my lock of the week, but it would be too obvious. I don't know if I want to watch the main event. I'm really not that intrigued in an Amanda Nunes and uh, Felicia Spencer fight. But, I mean, I I, I I don't know. I guess I probably will. I, I honestly might just stop watching after the co-main. But uh, for the record book, for the record book, we're going to go Amanda Nunes uh, by decision. So with that, we'll wrap up the show here again. Uh, tomorrow we will have our, uh, Mount Rushmore of all-time MMA, uh, goats, uh, pound for pound, pound for pound, and then we're going to go division by division, uh, and and do our Mount Rushmore, but tomorrow is going to be all-time, so that's going to be interesting, uh, the Mount Rushmore to end all Mount Rushmores, or, or I suppose to, to start all Mount Rushmores, because we're going to be starting the, the series with that on Friday, uh, we might do heavyweight goats, or or we might do to how, how to how to fix the the welterweight division, because uh, that's that's a very fun topic. Uh, next Monday, we'll have the UFC 250 recap, and again, very important, very important that you follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely. That's E L L E M N. You got to follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. Again, we have a brand new, a brand spanking new website. So sleek, so beautiful, has all the content there. Honestly, should be your your most bookmarked website, northstarsports.media. It's a fantastic website. You guys got to check it out. Uh, again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we have uh, breaking news at noon on June 4th very big you gotta tune in to to twitter to hear it i'll be addressing it tomorrow on the show very big i cannot wait and once again thanks for tuning in everybody this has been north star sports